October 19th, 1812. Napoleon retreats from Moscow like a little punk. Welcome to The Revisionists. I'm Brian Flynn. I'm Zach Powers. And hey, we got a spicy meatball for you tonight. Uh, <laughs> Relating very... to the joke we made before the recording started. <laughs> no, I just, it's something I say literally all the time. Oh, yeah. I forgot that you decided that you're going to, like, pirate start a sitcom by adopting a catchphrase and just yeah. trying to get a, a Hollywood talent agent to notice you in Denver. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, got any cheese was taken, so that was out. Yeah. Um, and obviously catchphrase is very popular in, uh, let's just check, 2019. Yeah. The year <laughs> where TV sitcom catchphrases are the thing. <laughs> I'm, I feel like I have a very gifable face. Um, uh, anyway, our guest, what makes this night different from all other nights uh, listeners, is uh, Jen Colic is here. Hi. Hey. Uh, thank you for being here. Of course. Uh, I mean, I'm here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Jen Colic, of course, friend of the show, uh, friend of my life. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you say different from all other nights, but generally speaking, oftentimes when we record this show, she is somewhere in the apartment where we are recording one of the two apartments. It's true. It's true. Usually in the air ducts. Yes. Uh, much like to... much like the guest last time, she ended camp. Frequently, if we need them on mic, it is not a problem to get them on mic at a given time. Um, I will say, Jen, you are filling in very last minute, and thank you for doing that. Of course. We all know it's October, and there's nothing scarier than relationships <laughs> am i am i right <laughs> 1992 stand up comedy mm-hmm. um it is uh the spooktacular time of year our favorite time of year uh around these parts um which normally uh on this show uh we don't necessarily focus on scary history um Although most of history is actually kind of scary. But it's not scary in, like, a fun way. It's not scary like Halloween the movie. It's scary like Schindler's List the movie. (laughs) (laughs) It would have been so much worse if they had titled it Schindler's List colon the movie. Yeah. Uh, You've read the list. (laughs) Now see the movie. (laughs) <laughs> uh, Zach, what do we normally do on this show? I'm... Well, we normally normally read lists. It's a very dry <laughs> read. I like the idea of someone reading Schindler's List because, like, while it's emotionally packed, it's very it's, dry. It's very dry. It's like reading yeah. a phone book of people who got saved from a horrible thing. <laughs> but, like, at the same time, it's just some names. Yeah, at a certain point, it's like, okay, yeah, I... I get it. Let's let's get moving here, Schindler. Yeah. They got Morgan <laughs> Freeman to do the audiobook and it was like it still didn't sell. Um <laughs> Uh this is a comedy history podcast. Um where we usually avoid talking about the Holocaust. <laughs> um, We've done a pretty good job up until recently, I feel like. we. I feel like we're like one degree of separation by talking about a movie about the Holocaust. Yeah, like that's the bit. degree of separation we needed. Um, but uh, it's a comedy history podcast where we talk about a person or event from history. We will never do the Holocaust. <laughs> That's um, our motto. Yeah. Get us get a new revisionist bumper sticker that just says we will never do the Holocaust. Yeah. Write it on our like freight like the logo page we have for our podcast. <laughs> the revisionist I... promise we will never do the Holocaust. <laughs> uh yep. That's that's honestly going on all of our social media tonight. Yeah. Um <laughs> But we talk about a person or event from history, um, uh, and one person gives a true, accurate account of that person or event, and uh, then another person uh, gives a crazy, bullshit, bananas, alternate version that can be whatever they want it to be. It could be 
the fucking Kingdom Hearts version of Alexander Hamilton. And <laughs> that's fine. And at the end of the episode, we vote on what is the true history of this brilliant blue, luscious, <laughs> resilient, dying marble. <laughs> you put those resilient two and, and dying. Uh, I mean, it's made it a pretty long time. The marble will survive, but yeah, the things yeah. on it will die. That's true. <laughs> Going forward. <laughs> And uh, Uh, last time we covered uh, the very tragic story of uh, Evelyn Nesbitt, Eve Nesbitt, and uh, ultimately concluded the alternate history, which was like a combination of a Kafka book report. And then also it just turned into hitting people in the nuts. Yeah, Uh, it did. Is the real history going (laughs) So... Evelyn Nesbitt's tragic life happened, and then later she kicked a bunch of people in the nuts, and there was a cockroach thing, so there you go. Yep. It was also like a little stranger than fiction. It's coming back to me now. Yeah. Uh, Surprisingly, um, not one of the episodes where Brian was on a lot of NyQuil. I'm very (laughs) shocked by that. Yeah. Uh, I am on a lot of paint fumes this episode, so... Mm. We'll see what that has in store, listeners. Oh my goodness. I am am also on paint fumes, and I did not actually write an ending to my alternate history, so we'll see how it turns out. And thank you for saying that, because I wasn't sure who was doing the real and who was doing the alternate. But by the process of elimination, I have determined that Brian is doing the real history this week for uh, the Smalls Lighthouse incident. Yes. Hey there. This is Brian reminding you that The Revisionist is supported by listeners just like you. You can make a pledge and get rewards like shirts and even the right to vote over at patreon.com slash the revisionists. The Smalls Lighthouse incident uh, slash tragedy. Uh, By the way, uh, before I forget, I got a lot of the material from this from the website for Trinity House History. Uh, Trinity House is the... Uh, administrator of, like, all the lighthouses in the UK, or at least in Great Britain. I I, I do have to question, before you go on, you said the Smalls Lighthouse incident slash tragedy. I really wonder what the Venn diagram of things that can be described (laughs) as incidents and tragedies is, because I'll bet it's a pretty big overlap. Well, there's the string cheese incident, which I don't know can be described as a tragedy. No, I think it's, it's, I think incident is the proper word. I have no emotional response one way or the other. <laughs> it um, happened. It certainly happened. And then there's like the Haymarket tragedy incident, which I think that, yeah, I think it's a, like a 90% overlap. Yeah. Um, so, and also, uh, I got some of this from the blog of Stephen Liddell. Uh, two Ds, three Ls, Stephen Liddell. Um, so... This is this is a story all about how Okay, well <laughs> Are you really just going to go I I started writing that down. I'm like, well, fuck it. Uh we're here. We're on paint fumes. Let's do this. Uh this is the last episode we're recording in the uh former Denver studio um before I we mean, move to work. At the time of recording, the current Denver studio. <laughs> the current Denver studio, um, before we moved to our temporary uh, location. Um, anyway. In Brigadoon, really just, I believe. Yeah. In Brigadoon. So um, expect the next episode in 50 years when Brigadoon <laughs> next appears. Um, so this is a story all about how there are three lighthouse keepers instead of two by law. Uh so this so, movie, The Lighthouse, starring the Willem Dafoe and Patrick boring Robinson. introduction to this story you possibly could. <laughs> there it's is exciting. so much insane shit in this story, and that's how you chose to... Well, I feel like it adds tension to be like, oh, why are there three now? Okay. What happened with two? So there's a reason. I was going to say, so this Willem Dafoe, uh, Robert Pattinson movie is bullshit, <laughs> but maybe it's about this incident. Uh, it's not. <laughs> I, I mainly say that because I don't want to spoil it, spoil the movie for listeners. Have um, you seen it? No. Um, 
but every description I've read of it doesn't really bear much similarity to this. Okay. Although maybe it is. I don't know. Who gives so a fuck? There's being... another movie called The Lighthouse that came out in 2016. That was like a small indie movie that is about this, though. I see. I mean, the new one, actually, from what I've read, seems like it's similar. Well, I mean, we'll it's see. two guys in a lighthouse who hate each other. It yeah. is about two guys in a lighthouse who... I don't know their relationship, but yes. So Smalls sits <clears> on a... <throat> One moment. As he's explained in a few interviews, director Robert Eggers was inspired by a real incident, real incident that took place at the Smalls Lighthouse in Fuck Pembrokeshire. Yeah. Oh, shit. I Well, spoiler alert for possibly the movie The Lighthouse, then. Please give us money, the movie The Lighthouse. <laughs> Come on, Eggman. Send us, send us some bucks. Um, so Smalls sits on a, uh, tiny bunch of rocks in the Irish Sea, uh, 21 miles off, uh, St. David's Head, Wales. Um, lighthouse keepers at the time, they had on the job a high rate of going mad, <laughs> I don't know, <laughs> and also dying, um, for multiple reasons. Um. Dying or killing themselves? I think a little bit of both. I mean, Some of it was... We were talking about Venn diagrams earlier, and the Venn diagram of people who died and <laughs> killed themselves, pretty high overlap on that one. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, do you do you die of, like, seagull poisoning, or do you, like, fling yourself seagull. onto the rocks oh, because you can't take the isolation anymore? Uh, <laughs> or just, like, I, drinking, I guess, also. Yeah. Um... So, uh, Small's Lighthouse was built in 1776, um, Lin-Manuel. Um, it was in, built in response to uh, heavy shipping losses in the area, because they got rocks and shit. Um, it was built as a uh, privately owned lighthouse, which there were a lot of them at the time. Um, and a lot of lighthouse keepers and privately owned lighthouses, they had, a, in particular, a higher rate of... Um, Insanity, I guess. Um, it's interesting that the of all the privately owned industries that seemingly went out of business, privately owned lighthouses is not high. Like I'd start with prisons, maybe. But no. <laughs> yeah, you'd think, but um, I don't know that there's much profit in the lighthouse game. Insurance companies, medical care. Yeah, that's true. No, lighthouses <laughs> were the problem. Well, the problem with. Privately owned lighthouses, as I understand it, is that if the company went out of business, there was no one left to go and tell the lighthouse keeper, hey, you don't have to be oh. out here drinking yourself to death anymore. So, yeah. they, so they just, just left them? Oh, <laughs> I <can't>. okay. <laughs> or they like <laughs> send a temp? I don't know. That um, is maybe the best argument for corporations don't care about you that I've ever heard. <laughs> yeah, no, it fucking exactly. Um, yeah, break up big lighthouse. Um, <laughs> so um, the lease, the lighthouse was owned by uh, a Liverpool uh, merchant dude named John Phillips. Um, and he bought the land, and then a 26-year-old uh, designer of musical instruments named Henry Whiteside sent him a design for a lighthouse. And he was like, cool, let's build it. Um, so uh, they they first built it with uh, iron legs, but they proved faulty. Uh, like, I guess they didn't have good materials. So they switched to wood. Um, as the, the as the famous Three Little Pigs story goes. <laughs> yep. Um, well, you know, if the Titanic was made of wood instead of seal, uh, steel, <laughs> she would not have sank. <laughs> instead of seals. Yeah. Instead of seals, yeah. Um, it was a bunch of seals tied together. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, um, I wish I remembered like, the name of that Pokemon that was a seal because I feel it's, like it's weak to ice. It's literally Seal. <laughs> the the musician? No, a Seal with two E's. That's how they avoid the trademark infringement. Okay. I was hoping Seal I the musician. A, you know that. And B, that it's Seal. I also, I was just hoping that 
now that they have like 4,000 Pokemon, I was hoping one of them was Seal the Musician. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, He's weak to Heidi Klum. Um, So, um, like, just to show how treacherous the land is, the workers building the lighthouse had to drill uh, iron rings into the rock just to, like, secure themselves by, like, tying them to these rings. Um, So, uh, the lighthouse was octagonal in design, uh, but the only way to get in or out was a rope ladder that led to a trap door in the uh, bottom of the lighthouse, which led into, like, the apartment area. Um, It looked like a yurt on stilts. Like, it didn't, it does not... The, the drawings of it that you can find online, it doesn't look like a real lighthouse that we no. think of today. It looks like a yurt on stilts. Yeah, it looks like a, a kid's treehouse that their, like, absentee father built. Yeah. Um, so they had, like, strict rules about not leaving the trap door open. Uh, and they had a large problem with uh, bird corpses coming into the apartment because they would just fly into the lantern <laughs> and die. <laughs> Um, so, so, so the, the apartment was connected to the constantly revolving, extremely bright lantern? Uh, it was underneath it. So, like, the lantern room was, uh, upstairs, okay. and it was powered with, like, uh, like, I think it was a coal fire, um, so, To be yeah, fair, this was... does seem like it was designed to make someone go mad. Yeah, no, <laughs> I'm surprised it didn't kill anyone. Uh, Oh, spoiler alert. This is one of the rare death-free episodes of the No, not cool. No, it's not. Spoiler. Okay, never mind. Scratch it. I guess he did say tragedy earlier, and usually that implies... (laughs) No, someone lost their shoe in the trapdoor. That was a tragedy. Um, So in December of uh, 1776, it became obvious that the lighthouse, as it was built, uh, wouldn't withstand the the weather. There's a bunch of ocean stuff going on, storms and shit. Um, so in January of uh, 1777, uh, Henry Whiteside, the designer, and his blacksmith uh, went to the lighthouse to repair it. Uh, but then a bunch of storms kick, kicked up, and they were they found themselves trapped. Um, so Whiteside, after weeks. Uh, sent three letters uh, out into the ocean in Uh, barrels. Um, And one of them eventually turned up in Wales. uh, And it reads, Sir, being now in a most dangerous and distressed condition upon the smalls, uh, do hereby trust Providence will bring to your hand this, uh, which prayeth for your immediate assistant to fetch us off the smalls, uh, or we fear we shall all perish. Uh, our water near all gone, our fire quite gone, and our house in a most melancholy manner. Um, and it, he he signs off, I need say no more, but remain your distressed honorable servant, Henry Whiteside. Um, you got respect. He's like... <laughs> fucking British people, man. Yeah. Just like, like... We're out of food, we're out of fuel, and the the state of the house is melancholy. <laughs> it's like the kind of t- everything that a British person, like a British person or a person in like the 19th century ever wrote to anybody else is like a TL- <laughs> TLDR text nowadays where it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> if this was important, you'd be like, can you please do this for me? <laughs> Explain later. <laughs> So that one barrel hey, turned up Hey, you up, lighthouse falling. <laughs> <laughs> Drawing of an eggplant. Uh, <laughs> so uh, that one barrel turned up in Wales. They found another one a few days later. One of them made its way all the way around uh, the coast of Ireland to Galway Bay, like on the complete other side of the island. Um, but they eventually, they make the repairs. Uh, they're saved... From the lighthouse. Uh, and like it's a monster. I mean, maybe. Um, and then 25 years later, in 1802, uh, two new lighthouse keepers arrive. Uh, Thomas Howell, a former cooper 
of King Herod, uh, Pembr- What is a- is a cooper a name or a thing? Uh, it's a person who makes barrels. Great. Um, <laughs> and it is now a name, I guess. Well, uh, I guess the barrels helped the previous guy, so it makes sense that he got this job. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, of King Herod, uh, Pembrokeshire, Pembrokeshire, uh, it's Pembrokeshire. I wrote down PB Shire, so it just looks like peanut butter shire. Um, and so Thomas Howell and then Thomas Griffith, a laborer from Solvern, uh, <laughs> both, uh, both men married with families. Um, and Howell, what? <laughs> they both, wait, both of these lighthouse people had families? Yes. No, I, I mean, some people hate their families. Okay, I get it. Never mind, never mind. Yeah, this was like the... 19th century equivalent of going out for a pack of smokes and, and not coming back. Yeah. Um, that, uh, how will, it might be the 19th century equivalent of being like, I got to join the military so we don't die in a poor house. <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah, no, that's far more accurate, probably. Um, so Howell and Griffith did not get along. Uh, they were known to have argued quite a lot. Don't know about what. I just wrote down lighthouse shit, question mark. Um, Actually, and this is weird, it was about Trump. 100%. Oh, Oh God, he infects everything. Yeah, guess who who was on which side? It's it's weird. One was uh, a Bernie fan and the other was a uh, Kamala Harris supporter. (laughs) Yeah. Um, They um, both liked him and one just believed Q was a thing. (laughs) um so not long after uh howell and griffith start uh passing ships see a uh distress signal flag uh raised above the lighthouse uh this was in the days obviously before morse code but also well before like they had better flags (laughs) to like communicate (laughs) Like, no one knew what specific distress they oh, were I in. Oh, I see, I see. Um, they were, like, shitty flags, too. Um, in 1890, so- we released Flags 2.0. <laughs> it's Flags OS ten. <laughs> it, yeah, it's Flag Sierra. Or now whatever. with three flags. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so they, um, sorry, there were a, uh, around the same time that the ships noticed the distress signal, massive storms kicked up again. Um, that basically made it impossible to land on the very rocky coast of the island. Um, but ships were sent from all over the area to try, uh, both sources I read made a point to say they sent the stoutest, bravest crews they could find, uh, which uh, I don't know if I could make that sound like me. Um, so uh, the ships were sent all over from try. None of them could even like get close enough to shout uh, at the lighthouse. Um, some did report I mean, seeing. You're always close enough to shout at something. Yeah. It's just a matter of if they can hear you. <laughs> right. Fair enough. I could shout I sh- at you guys right now. You pr- <laughs> Please don't. We can shout at the lighthouse later. Um, so uh, some of the crews did report seeing uh, the silhouette of one of the men standing on the lighthouse gallery. Um, and this whole time, the lamp stayed lit. Uh, in the lighthouse, which was a good sign, which meant they weren't, like, both dead. Um, but they, uh, the families eventually started coming to the cliffs of Pembrokeshire to wait for news. Because this went on for four months that they were trapped. Four months of storms and rough seas. Um, so four months later, a crew finally lands, uh, and they recover the body of Thomas Griffith. And find Thomas Howell uh, changed beyond recognition. Uh, then I wrote, "So what?" Uh, um, 
So one to two days before the distress signal was raised, uh, Griffith fell ill and Howell couldn't help him. Um, and he tried to hail passing ships, but none of them came. Uh, and then two days later, the, the storms come and they're trapped. Uh, a few weeks pass and Griffith dies. Um, and then a few days later, uh, his body begins to decompose. Because uh, Howell is just like, Howell did not want to throw the body out the trap door because he thought it would look suspicious because he had been const- he had been writing letters about how they do not get along uh, and how much they hated each other. But the body started to decompose, which is like, oh, this smells. Howell used his, he had like a 96 in Cooper, uh, 96 skill in Coopering. Uh, so he used that to uh, build a coffin out of like a spare bulkhead that they had in the apartment. Um, you know, your spare bulkhead you have in your apartment. Yeah, you know, lighthouse shit. Um, in and case you need to build an improvised coffin for your roommate that you murdered. You are looking me right in the eye as you say that. <laughs> um, we are sharing a mic. Yes, <laughs> that's true. Um, so he puts Howell in the coffin, and then because he does not want to be in the same room as it anymore, to, he tie. To be fair, one of the foundations of any good relationship is, if you die and we're stranded in the apartment, I'm going to put you in an improvised coffin so I don't have to smell your corpse. <laughs> it's yeah, that's in, true. I... It's in the wedding vows. Last time yeah, I read it's... the wedding vows, that's one of, for sicker, poor, for better, or worse, if you die, I will create an improvised coffin and put you in it so I don't have to see and smell your rotting corpse. It's standard <laughs> patter, you know? <laughs> Especially since our wood chipper broke down a few months ago. Sure, it's the 21st century. We have the Fargo method now, but he uh he tied because he didn't want to be in the same room with the coffin. He ties it to the railings outside the lighthouse. Um and, but then the uh the storms kick up again and break the coffin apart, leaving Griffith Griffith's corpse tied to the railing of the lighthouse looking in. Uh, to where Howell was stationed. Um, that that was the silhouetted figure that the uh, ship crews reported back uh, to uh, as seeing it in the lighthouse. Um, what? Yeah. Some uh, some accounts uh, say that in the wind, uh, Griffith's body would blow in such a way that. Uh, it looked to Howell like Griffith's corpse was beckoning to him. Um, so this is like the mother from Psycho, but tied to the outside of the window? Yep. Um, it, that's exactly right. This, of course, took a great uh, mental and emotional toll on Howell. Uh, he looked, when they recovered him four months later, he looked like he had aged years. And his family reports he was never the same. Uh understandably, perhaps. Uh, and the Smalls Lighthouse stood like that for another 60-some years uh, and then was uh When you say down. stood like that, you don't mean the corpse was hung on the window. No, 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 they got well, yeah, him. Yeah, it was. <laughs> no, it was like a... No, they put a... They put a memorial Garfield suction cup thing. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where, That's respectful. But it was like respectful. It was like a somber Garfield, uh, not like a not like a sassy one. Yeah, I hate uh, Mondays. Yeah, <laughs> I hate Mondays and also all days that I'm tied to a window dead. <laughs> um. Uh. So they. Built a new lighthouse on the site, uh, and it still stands today as the tallest lighthouse in Wales, uh, which was probably not the note to end on for this story, but that's what I did. Well, they accomplished something. (laughs) (laughs) And I will will just want it noted, I did not uh, do a British accent at any point in this story. Well, no, it takes place in Wales. Can I do a Welsh accent then? I'm sure you can't. I'll work on one. 
Hello everybody, I'm JD Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Okay. Have you found a Welsh accent? Yeah, I have found a Welsh accent. That is, I don't really know. Welsh is not an accent I know well, and I know that's wrong. <laughs> okay, let me... Uh... It just sounds like you have something in your mouth that you're trying not to drop while you talk. Yeah. I... Uh, it's a Wales. Uh. I, that's not... Nope. Scottish uh, anyway. is kind of my like thing. Like Scottish is an accent I feel like it can do because I watched enough the thick of it to see like imitate <laughs> Peter Capaldi, but I know that's not what Welsh sounds like. Well, so is that Scottish or is that just Peter Capaldi then? I I, I also went to Scotland when I was a senior, so it's like an amalgamation of the Scottish understanding that I have. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, uh, Scottish listeners, please write in with your opinions. Okay. I did it. There was an episode not long ago where at the end we had a clip of me doing a Scottish accent. That's Oh, because it was one of the This Day in History. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> it, was a good, it was a good one. It was a good one. It was as impenetrable as I find a regular Scottish accent. The, the key word for me to get into a Scottish accent is roundabout. Roundabout. You got a roundabout. You got a roundabout up in the north, and then it's just got to find your way there. Uh, that last, that last there was off, but uh, it's that the was round, pretty good actually. The there was bad, but roundabout's the word. <laughs> Tips for listeners: if this part somehow makes it in, <laughs> try and make the word roundabout sound right, and 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 that's the key to a Scottish accent. Also, the movie Brave. <laughs> what if you could change your fate? <laughs> uh. That is delightful. Okay, so uh so thank you very much for that uh uh basic retelling of the uh Smalls Lighthouse tragedy. Also, I just realized today, like going over this story, one of my friends who I worked with at the Tattered Cover a number of years ago uh, had a cat named the Smalls. Oh. And ah. now I wonder if she was named after the lighthouse. It's definitely the kind of thing Becky would do. <laughs> Becky, right in. Um, do you have one cat and another cat tied to your window? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> To be I fair, based on my experience with cats, they'd be into that. They'd be like, I won. <laughs> <laughs> Out the window is where the burbs live. They would yeah, no. It. Fucking Luna would be like, yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I have some, uh, I consulted some additional resources uh, Brian, than then just the two that uh, that you looked at, and I actually uncovered the real uh, story. I do want to okay. say before we begin this story, filmmaker Dave Eggers is making a movie about this incident, and I'm sure he consulted a lot of sources, so Jen's story might spoil what actually happens in the film The Lighthouse. I'm sure this is a one-to-one description of the plot of the <laughs> upcoming film The Lighthouse, so... It definitely is. Yeah. So you're you're right about the all of the kind of uh, shenanigans that happened in the first quarter uh, century or so of the lighthouse. Where your story kind of departs from uh, some of the facts is when Howell and Griffith begin cohabitating in the lighthouse. Uh, Hal was sent to be the second shift at the lighthouse uh, after Griffith's other companion went mad um, oh. and actually flung himself out the trap door and onto the rocks below. Match. Yeah. So, I mean, wouldn't you? Yeah. 
So uh, Howell and Griffith took an immediate dislike Actually, to no, one wait, another. No, I would, <laughs> I would thrive in a lighthouse environment. <laughs> I just went along, but then I'm like, no, I've got to stand up for myself. What would it? Would it be the seagulls? The the special salty cameo. Uh, the uh, special cameo by Shannon. Oh. And my pizza. Yay. Oh, hey. Wait, hey. hi, and goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> she got home from work late, and that's what happens. <laughs> that's totally, that's just a little local flavor. Was that a, was that a deep dish pizza? It was a regular dish pizza. You can get regular pizza in Chicago? It's not banned yet. <laughs> <laughs> uh... So, so they took an immediate dislike to one another. That is absolutely true. Um, but most historical records, as, as Brian said, they don't really specify why. Uh, I'll tell you why. Griffith was a fucking vampire. That's why. Oh. Uh, at first. I can see that, how that might be like an odd couple situation. One of them's very neat. The other feeds off the living. Sure. One of them turns into a bat. The other's like a pretty good cook. It was very awkward from the start. Uh, at first, Howell thought he was just like a weird goth dude, but Howell wore so Howell wore all black, and he gave off a distinctly creepy vibe, almost as if he was like trying too hard to act like a regular person. <laughs> okay, so sort of like an Elon Musk thing. So yes, he wasn't exactly. just a normal vampire; he was a try-hard vampire. <laughs> <laughs> he was like uh, an Anne Rice Lestat kind of exactly or Edward Cullen to be honest tries a little too actually he both tries too hard and doesn't try enough at the same time he's Schrodinger's Edward. vampire <laughs> uh, Edward Cullen coincidentally played by Robert Pattinson star of The Lighthouse directed by Robert Eggers <laughs> David brought to you by uh, A20 is it David? Da- no David's Robert the, David is the, the writer yeah okay yeah. Uh, brought to you by A24 in theaters now. Uh, or soon. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Go to a theater. Maybe it's playing. So so Howell didn't figure this out right away, right? Um, but after a few months, he realized he never saw Griffith eat more than a few bites at mealtimes. And eventually he discovered uh, little bits of Griffith's chewed up food hidden in the potted plants. And and did Griffith say things like, the children of the night, what music they made? <laughs> did he say things like, I never drink dot, 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 wine? It's, Only in his sleep. Why did you say the dot, dot, dots? No reason. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> Exclamation point. I was trying to class it up because, like, this is a Welsh vampire. He probably dropped his Transylvanian accent. Spent a lot of time trying to ingratiate himself into society. I'm going to get this fucking accent. (laughs) This fucking accent keeps eluding me. It's been 500 years. The fucking Welsh... If only this <laughs> for this for Scotland. <laughs> I love the idea of a vampire trying to get like a new accent and struggling with it. He's got maybe he like does Duolingo sometimes. <laughs> I've got to adapt to the new society. Uh, <laughs> but that he, even when he's trying, he just drops a bleh in there every now and then. <laughs> and that's the real tip-off. Yeah, that's... <laughs> you can't hide that. So Howell wakes up one day uh, with a puncture wound on his wrist, and Griffith waves it off like, no, that's that's just a spider bite. You know, there, this, this uh, soaking wet rock in the middle of the ocean is just full of spiders. Uh, but over the next few nights, the wound becomes worse. It becomes larger and redder and more gross. And then one morning, uh, Howell wakes up with a uh, puncture mark on his neck. 
Meanwhile, it finally found the neck. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little digging. He had a Grey's Anatomy out every night. <laughs> Where is the neck? It's my first day. <laughs> so, meanwhile, Howell was feeling sicker and sicker. But the less energy he had, the better Griffith seemed to feel. He was starting, if it was possible, to look even more youthful and sprightly. He was just full of energy, um, you know, running around, uh, do- doing, running laps around the uh, veranda of their shack, <laughs> the pounding ver- Gatorade. The veranda. <laughs> he was their- looking like uh, a Robert Pattinson to his Willem Dafoe. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Um... So, oh, also, there were, like, these dark shapes flitting around the windows and the trap door every night. Uh, and Howell could swear they were bats, but Griffith insisted they were just night gulls. <laughs> yeah. The classic, God, that's almost worse. The classic Stephen King short story, The Night Gulls. <laughs> <laughs> so... It's my favorite Bob Seger song. <laughs> <laughs> so so finally Howell starts uh you know catching on to to what's been going on and he he hatches a plan to to kind of catch Griffith off guard. Sure. Right. Um so he pretends to go to sleep one night and waits for Griffith to approach him. And when he opens his eyes, Griffith is leaning over him with his mouth open and two shiny little flang- fangs glinting in the moonlight. <laughs> and so, a bib with a picture of Howell on it. Yes. He's just kind of rubbing his hands together. <laughs> He's got like a, a carafe of melted butter in one hand. <laughs> <laughs> so Howell leaps out of bed, brandishing a steak he improvised from a spare bulkhead. Right. And uh, This is why you have apartment bulkheads, people. Exactly. <laughs> Coffins exactly. and steaks. And you know what? <laughs> it's easier if you do both at once, just yeah. in case. Mm-hmm. So, so they struggle. Uh, Howell stabs Griffith multiple times before he finally dies. Um, but he, and of course the apartment is like destroyed, covered in blood, etc. cetera. Um, unable to bear the sight of his vampiric nemesis, uh, Howell ties Griffith's corpse to the outer railing, both to escape the sight and smell of him. Because, uh, I mean, he's been eating other people's blood for hundreds of years. he It's just, the smell is disgusting. Um, and he also puts him out as a warning to all other creatures of the night. I also, anytime I hear about like a vampire getting staked or hear about, it's not like in the news, but every time I like <laughs> read about a vampire getting staked, I picture the staking scene from Dracula dead and loving it, um, which is, I'm not going to describe it. YouTube it y'all. It's a gem. I always Sorry think of interrupt. the one from the like 92 Buffy movie where Pee Wee Ehrman, AKA Paul Rubens gets staked and it takes like 40 minutes for him to die. <laughs> Not a good movie, much better series, but I always remember that scene. I forgot that was Paul Rubens. We, I mean, we watched that like a couple years ago. So like not like super distant past. It's one of the best parts of that movie, which is a, at best, mediocre film. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh... Sorry, so, um, I feel like there was one more last part to that. Oh, yeah. So, uh, so when people finally, uh, pick up on his distress signal and are able to, uh, he's able to escape from the lighthouse, um, his hair has turned all white from the shock of the, uh, vampire. The, so the last part of the story, uh, when they finally, when, uh, when Hal is finally rescued, from the lighthouse, uh, his hair has all turned white from the shock of having to struggle with this vampire. And, uh, of course, he's raving like a lunatic because he's been alone with the corpse of an 
a vampire uh, for months and no one really believes him. And he has like PTSD like a motherfucker. So yeah, people are like, man, he's not the same. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then they gave him some laudanum and that was it. Yeah. <laughs> laudanum <laughs> solves all problems. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Jen, thank you. Of course. Um, before we move on to the judgy part of the show, um, <laughs> paint fumes, y'all. Paint fumes. It's a cheap high. Uh, you can't get arrested for it. Paint fumes. Try it today. Um, I just want to remind you, you can always reach out to us via revisionistpodcast.com. Uh, we want your letters, uh, your comments, your questions. Uh, give them to us. Yum, yum. Uh, <laughs> give us some feedback about the various accents that you've heard on the podcast this evening. And, 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 my, and my obvious overconfidence in them. <laughs> <laughs> yours, yours was good. My, uh, my Welsh accent, though, is really going to blow some hair back later. Well, uh, <laughs> you've never heard a Welsh person before, so it's as good as anybody taking a guess. I've heard them on Bake Off. Um, so social media, um, you can uh, reach us there. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. There we go. Jesus. Uh, we also ask, uh, and it's super helpful to us, uh, if you would uh, kindly leave a review on iTunes or whatever podcast app you use. Um, write five stars. Give us notes on our accent. Uh, you know, whatever. Um, Write a memorable does, phrase that you heard in this episode. Um, you know, uh, night goals. Talking about them <laughs> night goals. <laughs> Perfect. Um, also, uh, of course, you could just say, you're never doing the Holocaust. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make it known to people who are just checking out our show. They promise they're not going to do. <laughs> um, does hey, does anyone have anything to plug? I didn't ask this beforehand. I can start if people need time to think. Uh, I'm not doing shit. No, oh, yeah, I'm in deep in my class. I have a temporary website deployed, but by the time this comes out, we won't be maintaining the database anymore. So. <laughs> You um, can see the CSS, I guess. I um, would actually really like to plug the um, salted caramel gelato from Trader Joe's, which I've been <laughs> gorging. My, I've been stress eating just Trader Joe's caramel gelato all week uh, to get ready for our move. Sure. Putting on my uh, winter weight, you know, to keep all keep all the warmth in. Uh, so yeah, Trader Joe's salted caramel gelato. That's my plug. Okay. You know what? They have these uh, little little uh, cookies that are like peanut butter roundels, they're called, or something. They're great. Ooh. Mm, okay. I fuck with that. Um, and, of course, The Lighthouse uh, from A24. Um, and I actually don't have anything until, like, December. So, so let's it. move on to the judgment portion because... I'm nearing the end of my map in terms of uh, uh, battery life on this computer. Word. So we're going to the judgy section, um, as Brian called it, where we talk about how Cheryl from The Office gossips too much, uh, I think. (laughs) The irony is we're gossiping about Cheryl right now. (laughs) The fact of the matter is it's spooky season here at The Revisionists and in all of America and some other parts of the world. So, how could I resist a true vampire classic? Um, it's got to be the alternate this time. Yeah! Um, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's vampire season. The vampires yeah. rule the night. They hold us in their cruel cut clutches, and they dictate the history of this world. So... Uh, <laughs> So it is it is going to be the 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 alternate history from me. Well, listeners, uh voting is now open on Patreon and if you're quick, you can get in the last minute voting on Instagram if you check our story in a week or two. Um but I think that'll do it for this episode. Jen, thank you so much for 
being here and coming up with a great story on short notice. You're welcome. Uh, uh, vampires. Uh, <laughs> Zach, thank you as always. Uh, of course. For everyone here at the, the Revisionist, blah, I've been a brains Flynn. And I've been, <laughs> I, I guess, uh, boo, I've been Zach powers but like electricity that brings frankenstein back to life that kind of power <laughs> so that's my and halloween name i'm zach the electricity that brings frankenstein back to life powers <laughs> <laughs> so and of course jen killick i think that's yeah. jen killer yeah um wait am i am i jen the killer or am i a killer of women named jen i think jen the killer okay i think um anyway uh have a spooky time with the bats yeah look forward to i think we're doing a hundredth episode after our spooktober so keep an eye out have a good spooky scary safe halloween time werewolves baby (laughs) (laughs) new slogan October 19th, 439. The Vandals take Carthage, a bloody follow-up to mm-hmm. the Great Vandal Caper, and also helping to introduce Vandal Babies. I fucked that up, but... Um, October 19th, 1512. Martin Luther gets his Doctorate of Theology, and he's now known as the second most anti-Semitic German. <laughs>